1: This is Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And we can't do uh, Cosmic Queries without Chuck Nice. Chuck, welcome back. Hey, Neil.
2: And by the way, you could. (laughs) <laughs> you okay. say you can't I do it without lying. me. I'm you sorry. i are lying. You're, okay. being, you're being kind to me. You're being kind okay. and I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, you're like, we couldn't do this without Chuck Nice, but I've actually <laughs> seen shows where you have. So- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Damn, called
1: me. I thought I could slip that one by, but apparently not. Okay. Uh, but good to have you, Chuck. Always and. A you know, and th- we, we've got a special guest, we, we, a guest we've never had. And I don't know how she came, w- went under our radar for so many years. Yeah. We've got Allie Ward with us. Allie, welcome to Star Talk.
3: I'm here. I'm, I'm so happy to, um, to incite such excited stammering. Here I am. No one can believe I'm here, <laughs> least of all me. Uh, uh, Hi.
1: <laughs> so you've got quite the thing going on. You've, you've taken ownership of all the ologies of the universe. And have I delivered them. them back to us in digestible bites, not only in your Twitter stream, but in a podcast and, and videos. So this is just, I love it. Well, let me say something here if I can, if I can. Just I don't want to sound like you know, Father Time on the porch on the rocking chair. Okay. But uh, you have a background that would not immediately indicate that you do exactly this but your background is all the background you need to do exactly this, right? So, so there, are people, there, there are students who study acting because they want to be an actor, right? So they go to law school, are so going to be a lawyer, business school, you're to be a business. And you do these things, and now you invented all of this stuff because that is that melange of talent now unique to you, and that can only manifest in products that are the unique paw print of what you bring to it.
3: That makes me feel a lot better about job security. I'll have to say. Okay. <laughs> Make rest easy. Well, you know, Tell that to your parents. Who said, Where did we go wrong? <laughs> She's not the <under> there. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think that really one thing I've learned from ology so much is that the people that I interview are so passionate about what they study, whether they're a ufologist studying toads or they're someone who is a fire ecologist or whatever, they tend to really love their jobs. And so I think I've really learned from doing ologies is figure out what you love the most and then just gravitate toward that.
1: Passionology. Yeah. It's the study of watching people get excited about their work. Yeah.
2: I just invented an ology. Right. So there. Passion- I can actually Listen, use that, that, that.
3: Now that you've said it, I can use it.
2: So okay, I, I didn't it. invent it. You did. Maybe maybe there's an ology for my passion. butology. Is there...
3: You know who I had on? I did do gluteology with Natalia Reagan, who has been on Star Talk a bunch. So she. Yes,
2: we've had, Yes, she's a friend we, yes. of Star Talk.
3: We talked all about butts. We talked all about. The primate about butt is a whole thing with yep. the
2: orangutan. Yep.
3: Yeah. Talked about gluteology. Yeah. And Check the
2: mandrel, the, yeah, the, the big,
1: yeah. yeah. butt. yeah. Gluteology, that's what it's gluteology. called. Okay. Yep, gluteology. Gluteology. So do humans have the biggest butts? Humans have the biggest butts, right? We of do. all the we mm-hmm. do. primates.
3: And I'm going to use first person plural on that. I'm going to include myself on that. We do have the <laughs>
1: right. That's yeah. very kind of you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the juiciest you're, that's of very Bronx. inclusive of you. Yes, right. it very is. Inclusive. You're, you're <laughs> a big fine primate when you back that thing yeah. up. There you go. <laughs> and for a reason.
3: So, yeah, you can listen to um, to her episode and learn all that But that's kind of, I realized I was really good at being curious and and just nosy enough to be uncomfortable in some situations. So it turns out. I got
1: you, that's you need that because that catch you beyond the, the edge of your comfort zone which is always important, otherwise nothing new shows up. And what did you study in school?
3: I studied science, I loved science, and I also loved fine art. And so I was studying illustration and science, and I couldn't decide which way to go, and I thought maybe uh-huh. I would do both, but I ended up um, as a double major in biology and film.
1: Well, there it is, and
2: you're the full manifestation of that, that's great. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then see, if you notice, Neil, if you notice, there's a very distinct dichotomy in her choices. One actually pays money where you can get a job, and the other one doesn't. So she's like, fine art and science. Which one can I live on? Which one? one, Biology and television.
3: Hmm. I mean, ask a grad student, though. There are grad students listening saying, do you know how much grad students make?
1: Wait, Allie, let me put Chuck in his place here. I can put Chuck in his place. Your fine art infuses the depth and elegance of everything else you do. So no, you may not be specifically making money from the fine art. Okay. Everything else you're doing is enhanced by it.
2: Yeah, I tried to say that. I tried to tell my mother that when I went into <laughs> comedy. comedy? Yeah. I, tried, I tried to I tried to do the same thing, Neil. Did not work. Did not work. Did not work. Okay. She's like, you need to infuse some money into this rent. How about That's, that? <laughs> <laughs> That's good.
3: Is it there is an ology for that? Gelatology is the study of humor. And I interviewed someone who told me he was it's uh, Dr. Burke down in Loma Linda. He studies the effects of laughter on, on medical patients, and he is a man who is serious about laughter. And it was one of the driest interviews I've ever done, which I thought was absolutely perfect because he's so serious. Wait, wait, wait. About so
1: wait, 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 wait. So so if you say, I was laughing so hard I was in stitches, <laughs> that would have extra meaning to it him.
3: It probably yeah. would. It probably, right. I think. because
1: if, or, or if I bust out my stitches, I don't want to laugh too hard. You know, if I'm in the hospital trying to recover, I don't want Chuck too near me because I yeah. might laugh too hard.
3: <laughs> yes. You could just say, I was laughing so hard I was lengthening my telomeres is uh, a better way to say it. Oh,
2: oh good. So you, I live, like you live yeah. longer when you laugh. Is that the deal? Yeah, That's like, the deal. I, I, Okay. Yeah. You wanna. You wanna. The telomeres are good. Good. Mm-hmm.
1: Chuck, you, we have questions
2: for Al. Yes. Wow, is that right? That yes. is right. We forgot from our our fan base. this. was so much fun. This, I forgot we were doing a a, this, a cosmic queries. Cosmic queries. Yeah. Yeah. What so. do you have for us? Okay. So uh, let's just start off with Adam Crowther or Crowther. It's C O C R O W and then Thur. So Crowther, Crowther. I don't know. Anyway. He says, thank you for this opportunity to ask the question. Chuck, I you have- never,
1: know. So, I never
2: know.
1: So, so okay, go I, on.
2: I wish I could refute that, but I can't. <laughs> you can't. Okay, here yeah, we go. Okay. He says, thank you for the opportunity to ask this question. I have friends and family who have been convinced that COVID vaccination is useless against the disease and it will be harmful to our health. They are motivated by the general distrust of conventional medicine and faith in alternative so-called holistic and spiritualistic healing methods and their strong belief in the paranormal. So um, he says, how do I approach this discussion, Adam? So you're a person who studies everything. Each of the fields that you
1: dip your toes in or or full body in Mm -hmm. require some sensitivity to the vocabulary, the jargon, the what's interesting, what's not. And so you have to think this through. And somewhere in there, you would have come up with methods, tools, and tactics of communicating what needs to get out there. So what have you? What can you share with us on this topic?
3: Well, you know, I was lucky enough to study biology, and I used to read a lot of journals for fun when I was in college. I was uh, a dork. So luckily I have that kind of background, but, um, you know, things like this, when it comes to communicating science that I always try to start from is just empathy and understanding where someone's coming from, whether it is asking a scientist to share their work or whether it's trying to get these ideas to the public. And so I think, of course, there's things that are infuriating about this, but if you are... With someone who does not want to understand science or is blocked to it, always come from an empathetic standpoint of what are they scared of? I think typically fear is what blocks us off from a lot of learning. So, what are they scared of? This would of? come from yeah. psychology. Yes, oh. anology indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, See what yeah, I, I did was, there. Am I good? Stop. Am I yes. good? Loved it. I'm Loved good. it. Good. Haven't done that episode uh-huh. yet.
1: Too broad a topic. Okay.
3: But yeah. But, um,
1: but the the idea that the empathy at least doesn't have them dig their heels in more yeah. strongly, you might be able to find a place to have that conversation. Yeah, I mean, a space, a conversational space.
3: Yeah, there's no. There, it, you don't do any good if you are being condescending to someone or patronizing, or if you are annoyed at them for their beliefs. It doesn't do Uh-oh. anyone good. You don't get. It doesn't help anyone.
2: Well, so. I'm doing this whole thing wrong because I have <laughs> I have the Fred Sanford. Uh, approach shut up <laughs> dummy shut up <laughs> yeah he did say that, didn't yeah, he?
3: that does, yeah. yeah does yeah. not open a lot of minds so try to address what they're scared of and then try to perhaps talk to them about how scary the other alternative is you know in this in terms of vaccination so
2: so what you're saying is you're an idiot is not a good opener
3: i think <laughs> no <laughs> but it's a good closer if they don't listen to you
2: we we have to get you back on another
1: show the week before thanksgiving before everyone goes home, yes, so that the Thanksgiving dinner conversations can, so no one dies. Yep, All right, We'll have the special.
3: Yeah, <laughs> show I have two where... ologies for you though. We do have vaccine infodemiology, um, which premiered in January, has a lot of information, has a lot of talk about vaccine hesitancy and where those come from, from a historical, psychological place, and agnotology, which is the study of willful ignorance, which is a real study, and I talked to a Stanford professor about that. So those episodes wow. are there in case you want to understand why some people wow. just yell Wow, okay, very list.
1: good. I like I like the overview there. Very good. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more Q&A with the queen of ologies. <laughs> <laughs> Ali Ward on StarTalk.
2: Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back, Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition. I got Chuck with me, and Chuck, we have a guest. I don't know how we missed her the past eight years that we've been doing I know. this. Uh, Ali Ward, welcome. Welcome to Star Talk. And I'm here. How do we find up. you on Twitter?
3: Oh, how do just we find you
1: on Twitter
3: at Allie Ward A L I E W A R D. Or Ologies, just at Ologies on everything. I sat on those handles. I got them. They're mine. Ologies, nice. So
1: yep. you own Ology? I
3: do. I do. I couldn't believe yeah. the handles. were I don't know available. if that's a
1: good thing or a bad thing. I, I have to think about that.
3: It's uh, a good you know. thing. <laughs> Trust. Yeah, yeah, me. If you
1: if you turn evil. Mm-hmm. Then to control the ologies is you become a superhero uh, nemesis.
3: Yeah, no, so. that's my plan. Yeah, my plan is to ruin <laughs> it. Uh, you're just seeing part of my backstory <laughs> now. So someone's going to wrong me, and then I'm going to use is origin
1: story to- right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool. So, Chuck, we have to be nice to her, because yes. no telling what powers she's might say. turn her into an evilologist.
3: Yep, uh, yeah. <laughs> lightning's going to come out of my eyes. I'm going to own the world. It's going to
1: be great. There you go. So, Chuck, we, we solicited questions specifically for her in this un- unheard ology um, universe. So what do okay. you have there?
2: Okay, here we go. Uh, this is Chapter Lipschitz who says, uh, hey, what's up? Stellar Star Talk crew, Neil and Chuck. Chester Lipschitz here with the question about ancient science. Clearly man-made discoveries before language, even though they did not formally fall into today's definition of science. Do you think... There would have been a limit to the advancement of civilization without language. Ooh, interesting! I like that.
1: Is there an so? Ali, have for you that? interviewed any 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 linguists or anybody who's thought about this language in the brain and
3: I haven't. I haven't, but I want to mm-hmm. say, obviously. I guess it de- depends on how you define language because there are so many animals that use language and have different ways of communicating. So are you talking are they talking about just written language? Or are they talking about um, like certain sort of like syntax? because there's I mean, there are different primate. There are monkeys and uh, that have different dialects in terms of where they grow up in certain rainforests. So.
1: though. I'm thinking every species of animal on earth has no trouble communicating with other members of its species. All right. I mean, you look at ants and bees and birds, and, and they're just having a doing fine. And I bet cavemen, or, you know, the cave people, they, without a dictionary and a language and a school, I'm sure they communicated with each other when they were hungry, when they needed more food, when they're sleepy. I mean, so, so maybe let's maybe we should tune the question a little tighter and ask uh, maybe basic discoveries could be communicated, but not subtle nuances of discoveries, which would require a more sophisticated way of communication. What do you think of that? Uh, that's my answer and I'm
2: sticking to it. It's a I good think we answer. Would find a, I think we would find those nuances because the same way we found nuances for when you're deaf or when you're blind. We always seem mm-hmm. to find a way to communicate with each other as as, as human beings. And even if we didn't have that, we would just find a way to communicate those nuances.
3: It would be interesting to look at, yeah, written language and technology, and if they follow a similar curve, if there's a certain like limiting factor. I don't know, but I will say that I want to just deconstruct the question in terms of what is language, because I think that we have a very narrow definition of that Um, in terms of like what is human written language. That's what I say. I say, go back to your question, retinker the language of your question. And then we'll we'll re-answer
2: it. Can okay. I say? Damn! Just send him back hey, to the drawing hey, board. Chester. Allie? <laughs> hey, Allie. Yeah. We have to be here next week, okay? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Chester, I think it's a good
3: question. Chester, I do. I do. I just want to deconstruct a little bit. Uh,
1: how about this? How about this? Okay. Let me uh, let me leapfrog this and say, okay. science as we now think of it took great leaps and advances only after scientific journals became the common way discoveries were shared oh. not only within a country but across national boundaries speaking whatever was the agreed upon language of the day right. and you go back several hundred years it was latin the language right. of the erudite and the scientific communication that's when it really took a exactly. took a jump so i have to say whether or not it's spoken language the simple act of communicating a discovery at a distance mattered greatly
2: yeah and you're right you know what that's so Interesting because that's where the codification comes in is the fact that you're able to have these, you know, um, records so that you can go back and compare and then compare okay. across distances. You don't have to reinvent something. You don't next. have to yeah. reinvent you have, you have something. A record. Right.
1: Yeah, not only the, the record of what's been discovered, but the record of 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 dead ends. So you right. don't have to repeat the mistakes of people who came before you. Mm-hmm.
2: Fascinating. Great job. Right. Good question. God, keep going. That was awesome. All right, here we go. Uh, Tom says, um, C-E-Z, so I don't know. Uh, he says, I think being nice is better for teaching the scientific method. What are the verified experiments showing which teaching methods are best? Ooh. Yeah, so, so
1: Ali, what's this field... I mean, other than the field of education, is there an ology associated with that?
3: I think I had I had Bill Nye on peda mm-hmm. pedagogy. He? He? He's this guy. He's um. <laughs> who's that guy? He's no, a Don't no, don't just just <laughs> just. Just, just, <laughs> just started. Just started. He's just starting out in his career. Okay. And um. <laughs> That's
0: right.
1: <laughs> we
3: well, talked about science communication, and um, he essentially was talking about how you shouldn't introduce a concept with a big word first. You should talk about the concept first and then define it instead of just dropping a big word. Essentially, I think not alienating people is the biggest hurdle to get over with science communication. So I guess I would err on the side of being nice in terms of trying to be as inclusive as possible and have it be a welcoming space. Because I think one thing about science that intimidates people especially lay people, is they think that scientists are all in lab coats. They know everything. They don't break anything. They don't make any mistakes. They don't fail at anything. They are just imbued with knowledge. They don't realize that scientists-
1: Inaccessible to to them.
3: They don't realize that scientists are just really curious people who do a lot of experiments that mess up a lot until they find an answer. So I think trying to Mm -hmm. come at it from a more humanistic, like hop on board, learn what you can, instead of a get out of here. I like that.
1: I like that. Rather than think of it as something up on the ivory tower hill yeah. that you have no access to. Very yeah. good. All
3: right. I like and that. And I also I like think that. the more varied uh, backgrounds we have in science, the different questions people ask. I think if you have the same people in science, they're going to ask the same kind of questions of their experiments. And mm. I think that's one thing I really love about genealogies is having all these different types of scientists who approach their research based on their own background. So yeah, I think hop on in. We need as many scientists as possible. So mm. nice. Nice is better. Okay, I think.
2: No, yeah, I, I agree. All right, all right. Very cool. So, uh, thanks for the uh, supercilious answer, Allie. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> English humor. Loved okay, here it. We go. Uh, here we go. Stephen Som- Somers wants to know this. He says, "Hey, say you've spoken on TV or a podcast to a huge audience with total confidence in your idea." only to find out later that you got something wrong. How do you set the record straight when that happens? Mm, that's a great question.
3: That I is think a great question. One thing I recommend if people struggle with this is just take what you need from your house and go live in a cave for the rest of your life. <laughs> Don't show your face again. Remove yourself from society. Uh, you failed, it's all over, is what I would say. Um, no, that's not like that. <laughs> I would say, uh, Chuck, you're yeah. right. We
1: do have to be here next week. And- <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> I,
3: I think you know. I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that science is evolving. There are so many things we thought about science, and then we did more experiments and learned something else. And so, understanding that science and just knowledge, human knowledge, is always elastic. It's always changing. You may have been wrong. That's great. Admit it. Cop to it issue a correction on Twitter and Instagram and on your website and move on with your life. I think... Um, wait,
1: wait, but Ollie, there are two kinds of wrongs. One of them is, this is what we think is true today, but more research may undo it later. Mm-hmm. And so you, I say, well, three years ago, I got, I got that wrong because that's the best we knew at the time. That's yeah. different from blunder, where you just simply say something that's just flat out wrong and someone yep. calls calls you out later on. So that's a more of an embarrassing kind of error. So do, should that person move to the cave forever?
3: I would say, I would say, remember, every human is a human. Everyone makes mistakes. And, uh, you know, they say there's a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. One is like, uh, too afraid to make. Make mistakes. Others ah, make a mistake, and I move on from it. So I think the best thing you can do is admit your wrongs, apologize for them sincerely, and put out a correction.
1: And so, so we have to work on that mindset. So that's a mindset I that people so. fear. I think because yes. they, don't, you know, what what is it they said that the scariest thing, even scarier than death, is speaking in public. Yes, for some people. Yeah, I, I never understood that because I I never had an issue with that.
3: I mean, right. you think people would rather be at the front of the room at their own funeral than giving the eulogy at somebody <laughs> exactly. else's.
1: Then, in the front of the room of a, of a full house. Uh, right,
3: okay. Yeah, and so, I mean, unless there is a sniper or you're going to die straight up of a heart attack at the speaking podium, you'll be fine. I always say that, um, <laughs> you know, the, we're definitely so afraid of things that can't hurt us. I remember I made a flow chart once of like, can this thing kill you? If yes, run. If no, chill out. Those are the basics. I did an episode. I with, love that um, flowchart. It's a great flowchart. I use it all the time. But I did an episode um, two-parter called Fearology with someone named Mary Poffenroth, and she's an expert in fear and the amygdala and how we react to fear. And it was life-changing. She is so great, and she essentially said most of our fears and anxiety and stress is just worry that we're not good enough. And so, if you think about everyone walking around. Worrying that they're not good enough to do their job or follow their dreams or or start a conversation or a podcast or correct their mistakes, then you know that's a whole lot of stress that we have that we could. So
1: I got one for you, Chuck. Yeah. You ready? What flat what flat earthers fear most is fear itself.
2: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh by by the way, that joke made me believe the earth is flat. <laughs>
3: did you just come up with that, or did you? No,
1: edit? I tweeted that a couple of years ago, and no, no, it was. I think it's been around. It's been around.
2: The I, only I, it's, thing it's we have Twitter. to fear is fear is, itself. Is, is itself. fear Actually, <laughs> is I'm, I'm gonna itself? Actually, I'm going to tell you something. That's that's pretty damn clever. Yep. So I yeah, love yeah, that's good. And it. It. it's the mm-hmm. it's fear. It's fear is what does. Yeah, it mm-hmm. for the word play I like it. All right. We got time, maybe one more question. What else you got, Chuck? Yeah, what you got? All right, let's go to Kayla Slaughter. Kayla says- By the um, way, started... these are all Patreon members, right? Yes, that is correct. And yeah, yeah. I'm glad you these brought that Patreon. up, Neil, because uh, let me just tell people that you can go to patreon.com slash star talk. Support us there if you're coming at a certain um, support level. Um, we uh, we take your questions and we read them on the air, and that allows us. I mean, to they do bribe that. us to at, to ask the questions. That's what, yeah. I mean, that's what Listen, I mean, yeah. Neither neither <laughs> nobody in this organization is a law enforcement official. We, <laughs> okay. There is no law that says we cannot take bribes. <laughs> All right, go on. Next question. Here we go. She says, "I'll be starting a family soon. I want to make sure my children have a well-rounded experience in science and politics and." Every all theologies, basically. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on how I can start early? Hmm.
3: I wish that paper encyclopedias were still around because I feel like when I was a kid, all I wanted was an encyclopedia shelf in our house just to take a volume and then just go sit under a tree with it. But I guess So you're
1: 75 years old. I'm 1
3: million that. years old. Yeah. I'm uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> That is good.
3: <laughs> Back when we had paper, the books are made of paper. You right. smell <laughs> them with your nose. We did have an old we we finally got one from a garage sale, but it was so outdated that it was like one day Human man will be on the moon, and I remember being like,
1: Yes, I love that. I love the out of date things, they're fun. fun.
3: But, um, uh, Mm -hmm. I would say, I would say, let them frolic, let them frolic, get them them a microscope because you start swabbing windowsills and start looking at fly mouth parts, you start to realize the world is a lot bigger and smaller than than we think. So, I'd say, let them frolic.
1: Fly mouth parts. That yeah. was very random right there.
3: Of all the fly. things you
1: could have listed, <laughs> fly mouth parts. But I, I don't even... No, I'm, no I, I retract the question. I don't want to know how you came up with that in your list.
3: Have you ever looked at them? What are you doing later today? Get yourself a yeah. microscope. Find a dead F- fly. Fly
1: m- mouth parts. <laughs>
3: you know? They're just they're thinking about them barfing on a sandwich and sucking it back oh, up. The God. world is big and small. It's beautiful. It's great. Get him mm. a maybe get them a telescope and a microscope, yeah. and then so, so you so you want
1: this should be free range,
0: mm-hmm.
1: free range children yeah. with access to the large and the small. Yes, and okay. in those limits there are no bounds. Yes. Nice.
3: And I want I want like to make it known that I don't have kids. So okay, take this with a grain of salt because I don't know how to raise wait wait you, wait you. you
1: we
2: we I heard in offline that you have a dog.
3: I do. I have an eight year old daughter. She's a poodle.
2: Yeah. And and does does your eight year old poodle daughter ha- have a microscope?
3: She does. Yeah, she has a microscope. <laughs> I
2: bought. Well, Chuck, her... she
1: doesn't have a posable thumbs. They're working on that. She's doing thumbs. great.
3: She's got infrared goggles. I got her a uh, yeah an electron scanning microscope. We just keep it in the garage. Um, yeah. So she's she's got everything she needs.
2: Uh, by the gotcha. way, Kayla has a Uh, a follow-up for you, Allie. She says, what's it like talking to so many smart people all of the time? And by the way, I love your shows. Plural, she put.
3: Well, there it is. What it's like talking to smart people all the time is incredibly, incredibly humbling. So it's, it's, there's nothing better than being reminded that you're uh, the stupidest person in a conversation. And that's what I do for a living. It's
1: great. So Ali, that reminds me of a quote. If you're the smartest person in the room, find another room.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's a good that's, that's, that's what you're saying here, Ali, that's right? You're, you're,
1: you're, you're reveling in the fact that every outing you learn something.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: For so many people, the pain of learning something new is unbearable to them. And so they stay steeped in their ignorance, ossified yes. from the graduation day from when they left school. That's true. Ooh, Living oh in the
2: past. God. All right. So with that, with that, is there such a thing as a stupid question? I really don't think so.
3: I think if it's honest, if it's honest and vulnerable, it's not stupid. And chances are someone else in the room has it. And we're all going to die anyway. We're all going to be bones and dust oh, and a fungus oh, is, oh, is going to eat that us. true? Sure?
1: Yes. That's true. Sure.
3: That's how I live my life. <laughs> Cut bangs. Wow, that's very blunt, but true. We're all right. going to die. You're going to be powder. That no is... one's going to remember you. I don't even remember my great-grandparents' name. So why would I be like, I don't want to ask this question about, uh, you know, solar power or about the universe. Wow. I think no one's going to remember I quote you me. on that? Yes.
1: Okay, someone so, so, said, I'm all... afraid to do this. You're going to die anyway. You're going to die.
3: Gonna die. So you're so going to die. Literally Ask a the fungus... question.
2: You're going to die anyway. Your, there you go. Ooh,
3: your ooh, fungus ooh, ooh. lunch, at the end of the day, ask a question and learn something. If someone laughs, They're a jerk. So it's great. Just do your life.
2: All right. Wait a minute. I got to tell the story. I got to tell the story real quick, because it's speaking of stupid questions now. You just reminded me. You're going to die. Okay. I I have evidence to refute that. We're somewhere outdoors. It's Neil and I and these people who are huge fans. They come over. They're talking to him. He's being very, very gracious, spending way too much time talking to him. And so the guy says, hey do you have one of those apps on your phone where you can hold it up to the sky and it will show you constellations? And then Neil goes like this, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, bro, he is the app. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, are you insane? You're asking... (laughs) You're asking Neil deGrasse Tyson, does he need an app on his phone to look at the night sky? I'm like, brother, he is the app. What is your problem? Yes.
1: Yeah, my answer is, in my day, we had to remember where the constellations were. Right.
3: Right. (laughs) I still, I think, embarrassing moment for him. But still, there's a lot of stars up there. If anyone's taught us that, it's you. So he learned something about you that, he, that your brain has even more capacity than he ever imagined. And also, right. he learned he needs the app. You don't.
1: Yeah, thank you.
3: There you go. Okay. And this
1: bit about being fungus lunch, I'm trying to decide whether that's a happy <laughs> note or a sad note. It
3: is. It's amazingly liberating. It's. I did a whole episode on thanatology, death and dying. One of the happiest episodes I did. I came out of there saying, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. So yeah, <laughs> okay. your fungus lunch, ask a question, do your thing, uh, follow your passion, you know, uh, read the encyclopedia. It's all fun.
2: And remember, you're is. delicious. <laughs> to some organism,
1: you're delicious. Exactly. Guys, we've got to take a quick break. But when we come back, more with Without
2: Ward. Hey, Star Talk fans, this next segment of our episode with Algae's host, Ali Ward, is sponsored by the all-electric Chevrolet Bolt EUV, the everyday electric vehicle for everyday people. That's you. The all-electric Chevy Bolt EUV has so many cool features, including the ability to engage in conversations hands-free with the industry's first hands-free driving assistance technology. You can find out more at chevrolet.com slash electric slash Bolt EUV. All right, let's get back to the show. We're back. Start talking Cosmic
1: Queries. And for this segment, we're going to actually devote this to a discussion
2: about electric cars. Yes. Jack, what do you think yes. of that? Yes, that's awesome. Because I know you don't like the word awesome. But in this case, I think it is awe-inspiring. But just to be clear, awesome. I, I love the word awesome, but
1: when properly applied like when you discover a new universe or something. <laughs> okay. When people say, it would be awesome if you could pass the salt. That is not a good use of the word awesome,
2: okay? Okay, Just here is a good use of the word awesome because electric vehicles actually do so much to help the environment. And I care about the environment. I know you do. People don't think I do. But... This segment, we're doing in partnership with the Chevrolet Bolt EUV. So I'm just over the moon because we get to talk about electric vehicles, man. And that's our future. All right. So this EUV, is that like SUV except electric? Is that how we're going to Yeah, man. Out? Yeah, exactly. Okay, Doesn't I'm it smart. sound better, that... though? Doesn't it sound better to be like EUV? EUV. You know? EUV. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So, yeah. Let's we're, get back uh... to our, our guest here,
1: Ali Ward from Ologies. Basically, that's did a me. did a land grab on all ologies in the universe. Nice, okay.
2: <laughs> that's all a, of them. That's a straight power move. That's a. It's a
1: that's total gangster right there. Yep, it's like. It. I, if Once you ology. get that handle,
3: you're sitting on it and it's yours. But yeah, this would be electric vehicle technology, I suppose. The segment. Oh,
1: the ology? Okay. You just cram that ology in whether or not it belongs. Yep, that's what I do. <laughs> it's, it, 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 Someone
3: mentions something in it, casual it, it, conversation and I tell you what ology it is. But this one has really excited right. me. The, oh, yeah. I've been excited about um, electric vehicles since I was a kid. My, my dad is really into. Alternative sources of power and solar power, and so I have been watching for years and seeing how EVs come on the market. So I'm really excited about the Chevrolet the old EV. I think EV is a good oh, thing okay, yeah, well, I like cool. the way it sounds.
1: Cool. And Chuck, and, and but is it like 100 grand like other electric vehicles? Like what's going yeah, on there? That, that's the great thing about it. Otherwise, I, it's not for everybody. You can't take that Chevy to the levee.
2: If it cost that much, nobody's. <laughs> no good old boys are doing
1: that. So what's. Right, yeah. Well, that's why uh, they drained the, price the levy. Point on this?
2: That's why they drained the levy, <laughs> was to pay for your very expensive, which this is not. Actually, when I said it's accessible, that's what I mean. It's, uh, you know, this is a, a car that allows people to enter into this realm. And if you're a conscientious uh, as, person. As a first a foray. Okay, very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, so, Ali, do you have a question? I do,
3: actually. I. Wanted to know.
1: Wait, wait, wait! Actually, that's not fair because you're our guest, and we usually take questions from the audience, from our fan base. But, but you know, you seem so into it. Maybe we'll give you the occasion to ask the question with the permission of our fan base. I think they'll allow it. So the floor
3: is mine. I have the Cosmic Query Conch right now and can launch a question. (laughs) Okay. Uh So I wanted to talk about whether or not electric vehicles are good for the environment how much good do they do over a car that runs on fossil fuels? What are your thoughts on it?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So I can, I mean, I don't claim to be the world's expert on that, but I can get you a lot of the way towards an answer to that question. So uh, here's the problem. Transportation today, you know, cars and trucks and things that that, that move commerce, I guess even trains, but some trains are electric. So let's just stick to the ones that have sort of engines that burn fossil fuels. Uh, the, the problem is, if you have a car that takes gasoline, it can only run on gasoline, right? So if, so, if you run out of gas, you got to go to a gas station and fill it up with gasoline. So you know, we all know how much gas costs, and we know where it comes from in the world, and we know if a pipeline gets shut down, and we know if a war breaks out, and if we know if, a, uh, if an oil well is on fire, and we know if, if there's new regulation related to it. So oil has become a strategic commodity simply because we need it to run our transportation grid. So now in comes an electric car. So an electric car, of course it still uses power. All right. So, so what's up with that? Why is it good rather than sort of neutral or bad or equal? Right? So here's what happens. You got your car and it's at home and you plug it in. Okay. Now, It's getting electricity from your power plant. There's a chance your power plant is using coal. There's a good chance of that, all right? So that's not really much better, all right? Coal, burning coal or burning gasoline, there's still this carbon footprint. Okay. However, the power plant is not limited to just coal. If they wanted to, and many have, they can put in, if they have sunlight where you are, a a, a solar farm or a wind... A wind farm. And if you're near water, you could be hydroelectric. All of these sources of power can be generated by your power company and show up in your wall socket. So you don't need 12 different engines in your car to use 12 different kinds of energy. You just need a plug that gives you access to the thing that's generating the energy 12 different ways. So, if you electrify the transportation grid, you are future-proofing our path in, into a, a, a culture and a civilization that can wean itself off its dependence of fossil fuels. And so, that's why it works. That's why it's good. I like
3: that answer. Not to mention, if you go solar on your house, you essentially have a solar-powered car, which is a car powered oh, by the oh, sun. yeah. There you go. There's got to be a bumper sticker for that, (laughs) like solar powered. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: but that wouldn't work in places like Seattle, where the sun never comes out, or upstate New York. Um, But yeah, it it would be believable if it's in a place where the sun is is prevalent. So, so that's why uh, electric is good. Now, the problem is, I can have a gallon of gas over here. And I can move it over there where you need it. Okay. You, you can't carry do with that you. with electricity. You can't carry electricity with you. Oh, sorry. You can charge a battery and then I can move the battery over there. No, the battery is in the car. Okay. So, so one of the problems with electricity as it's generated is it can only, you can't sort of store it outside of the battery that's in your car. So to run your lights, to run most of the things that civilization uses electricity for, it doesn't come out of a storage battery. It's generated on the fly as you need it from the power station and delivered by
2: the the high-tension lines. I was gonna say, like, I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of people who are, you know, um, electric vehicle hesitant, I will say, because they're worried about how far they can drive. Like, because of what you just said, and the cool thing uh, about the industry, but more importantly about the Chevy Bolt EUV is because I know this because I got to take a tour of the car with GM. The cool thing is this car has nearly 250 mile range on a full charge. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Right. And then.
1: That, that'll get you between any adjacent cities. Yeah. I mean, New York City is 250 between uh, Boston and Washington. Right. And, and you're in L.A., Allie? What, what cities with it? You, uh, San Diego? Oh, is um,
3: easy? if you okay. need to make a getaway, that's Palm Springs, that's Joshua Tree, that's Santa Barbara, that's, yeah, up the coast. Oh, excuse
1: me, Joshua Tree. Oh, excuse no, me. I mean, okay, okay. yeah, these are different
2: hangouts. Excuse me, I'm about to take my Chevrolet Bolt EUV down to the Joshua Tree. I
3: mean, I've got a... New hmm. new Perhaps you'd like <laughs> to meet <laughs> me there. Sometimes you need an Instagram <laughs> shoot, you need to get me your Bolt. I love the EUVs. Yeah. I think if you like a hatchback mm-hmm. with a little bit higher profile, um, I, yeah, I love that. And the range is yeah. great. They call it range anxiety. People who are afraid to go EV because they think they're going to be stranded. But once you drive an electric, it's kind of like once you become a bird watcher, you start seeing all these charging stations, just like you would see birds you didn't realize were there before. But once you drive an EV, right. it's like, oh, there's a char- truck. are uh, everywhere. You can charge in parking lots yeah. at the mall you can charge next to your grocery store you can charge at hotels it's just like it's really easy wait right, so the
1: bird watcher and analog there is if you've never looked for a bird you would never know it was there until you knew what yeah. to look for yeah
3: and right and then they're yeah. everywhere
1: i got gotcha. you yeah. okay so that's yeah. like a psychological sort
3: effect once you yeah. know what to look for but yeah there's EV charging stations everywhere
2: um yeah there's about mm-hmm. forty thousand uh birds to look <laughs> for across. When you're okay. traveling. <laughs> is that how many,
3: is that how many uh, EV stations are there? Really?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's about 40,000 public charging stations. So, That's great. You know, you can... Okay, so so Chuck, which which goes faster down the road? A, a Chevy Bolt or a Usain Bolt? You know, uh, I'm going to say that the Usain Bolt is faster out of the blocks, but the Chevy Bolt is going to ultimately <laughs> smoke them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't tell him that that's exactly. you don't
3: need as many carbs for your chevy bolt you can you don't have to run yeah. it on this... pasta protein anything i think range better range. oh i
1: got gotcha. you there you go mm-hmm. yeah range. yeah so is that the that's your only question you so had that
3: was my main uh, question about, about it i think um you know people who are considering going from a fossil fuel car to something that is electric i think tend to be people who are environmentally conscious. And so they really want to know how much better is this for the environment. But knowing that you can use...
1: I I agree. And those are the people who do it first. But
2: ultimately, if you get the right price point, people just do it because it's the right price point.
3: Not to mention...
2: Oh, wait. So then, you know, speaking of what you just said, before we actually got on the show today, Ali was doing something on your computer where you were like looking at the savings... So when you talk about price point, there are hidden savings in every electric vehicle, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. Do you have... To, what, what were you doing? Well, there are
1: fewer moving parts. Oh, can I can I back up real quick? We're running out of time. I don't want to take up the whole thing. But, okay. But uh, Michael Faraday, go back 150,
2: yeah. 60 years. When you said back, uh, I basically... thought you meant back in the show. <laughs>
1: no,
2: no, like, no. Like, can I here, go, go back? back? Michael Faraday.
1: <laughs> so Michael Faraday... Uh, An English scientist, a physicist, uh, he basically is responsible for figuring out how to generate electricity. Right. And he, he invented the concept of an electric field, by the way, because that's not a thing you can touch, right? It's just this thing there. So he can draw it and calculate, you can calculate with it. So he, he realized that if you move a wire through a magnetic field, it induces current in that wire and you can, it'll show up on a meter. And so, whoa, well, that's kind of, it was a little novel at the time, but what would you do with this? This is kind of a stupid toy. And then people figure, oh my gosh, this is the birth of the electrification of the world. Point is, the way we do that now is we have a tightly wound, uh, in a, what's called a turbine, a tightly wound wire coil that spins in a magnetic field and an electric um, uh, current is induced in that wire. Ever since the beginning of electricity, we've known how to spin things. That's, that's what we do best. We've been doing it for 150 years. And what is a car, if not electricity, spinning things? So the acceleration on an electric vehicle can be excellent because of this fact. And that's why the Chevy Bolt, I, I didn't check the acceleration numbers. They might actually accelerate out of the box faster than Usain Bolt now that, now that I'm thinking about it. Mm. Well,
3: also, uh, I was checking on price point stuff just to see how much would I save per year driving an EV. And my parents live about 400 miles away. So I go up uh, a couple times, obviously, like every month or two. And I would save $10,000 over five years on gas just based oh, on that. Which okay. Is, um, yeah, if we'll you're calculating how much.
1: Not to mention how much CO2 that is. Right.
3: So a little right. karmically. Right. And then mm-hmm. pocketbook wise, but yeah, I I did. They have a number cruncher for you, so you don't have to uh, you don't have uh-huh. to pull out your spreadsheets. They have it for you. But yeah, and yeah, the acceleration is better.
1: I see what you did when you say car uh, You like that? Yeah, I see what yeah. you did. Electric cars
3: ah. are electric.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we got to land this plane or park this car. <laughs> 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 so, Ali's been delight to have uh, you on this show. I can't believe we haven't had you ever on before. We got to do this again. With your permission yes. and talk about some of the ologies that you've, you've discovered or I think you're inventing some of those maybe,
3: ologies really? maybe bending some words
1: I think I think I think you're pulling them out of I don't I know swear, where
3: okay. I, swear I do look for I do look for them in the literature first I promise but yes so All many right. ologies to cover' right. I'm here whenever you need
1: me and so little time yes okay excellent thanks for being Thank on you. star Talk. and you, you can catch her on our ology mm-hmm. podcast and um, it goes everywhere. I mean, every ology you can ever imagine, It's even the ones you haven't imagined because she made <laughs> them up. They're there. <laughs> right. All right, Chuck, always good to have you, man.
2: Hey, Neil, before we wrap up, I just want to let the viewer know that if you're ready to make the electric future part of your present and do some good for the environment, which is what it is all about, check out the Chevrolet Bolt EUV at chevrolet.com slash electric. Chevrolet.com slash electric. Do some good, people. Come on.
1: All right, this has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Neil deGrasse Tyson here. As always, keep looking up.
3: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com/slash investing in
0: America.
2: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car.